Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have Mona Weathers on. She's the host of Homesteader Homesteading for Beginners, and she is a longtime homesteader and homeschool mom. Welcome, Mona. Thank you, Cody. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm excited to have you on today. Well, thank you. Um, there, well, when I was a child, no, <laughs> you don't know how far do you want me okay. to go back? <laughs> um, let's hear a little bit about like your homestead and how you got okay. started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we are homesteading currently in uh, North Georgia, but we started out in uh, Southern-ish California in the mountains of California in a little town called Tehachapi. If anybody is listening and and knows that name, um, <laughs> uh, they they get uh, five crowns, <laughs> five stars. <laughs> That's, I mean, I'm from a town in California that no one's ever heard of called Redwood yeah. Valley. So I think there were okay. 1,700 people in it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that that town actually wasn't super small. It's just not well known, but it's a uh, close to Bakersfield, and we were homesteading there for about 15 years. Um, uh, and then we moved to Georgia. So, um, yeah, I, I've always wanted the home. I've always wanted a farm lifestyle. I was the little kid. I will literally go back to the beginning where I I was the (laughs) little girl. Yeah. I was the little girl that dreamed of it. I lived in a city. I grew up in a city. I grew up in different countries. I lived in Germany for a little while and I was always in a city and I always dreamed of the, um, country life. I would sit out in, um, uh, in the middle of Los Angeles <laughs> and bird watch, you know, like I was that girl that oh, did fine. that any lizards or anything I found on the ground, I would pick those up. So this lifestyle has always been on my radar and my dreams and my goals. Um, so, uh, when I met my husband, he had lived this, the life I dreamed about his parents are older and they were, you know, grew up in the depression era. They, they always had, um, a farm. They always had food. Um, they always had something and they lived on two and a half acres in, um, a town and they grew off of those acres as well when he was a child. So, uh, so he kind of lived the life I wanted. And then when we had children, we decided together that we wanted the same for our kids. So that we moved from a suburban area to, uh, like a country area that with, uh, we were on two and a half acres and that was our property in California. Nice. Yeah. We, we did the same kind of, we had a couple acres in California and we were like, yeah, we're done. We (laughs) headed off to Oregon and then now we're in Idaho. So, um, definitely just knew that this was the life we wanted. Yeah. So, um, what drew you, you said, you you said you're in Georgia now, what drew you to Georgia? Um, we have family here. My sister is here. She raised her kids here and, it was just time to move away, um, just a, a job loss and that sort of thing. And it was like, well, our we only had at the time, our youngest was 12, I think, when we moved here. Um, so it, the other kids were grown and off on their own. So we were like, well, let's just move over <laughs> this way. And at the time, our son was living in Nashville. He's now living in one of our sons. He's now living in Dallas. So we were trying to move closer to everybody. And the other son was going, was in the army in Virginia. So (laughs) we were trying to move close to everybody. Oh, and at the time, also our oldest daughter was in Wisconsin. So we were literally moving on the other side to be closer to the family. And they, they all spread out again. (laughs) Yeah. No, it happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know we, we tried to move closer to family at one point and it just wasn't it wasn't the right move for us. And so that's how we ended up in Idaho. And now we're not close to anybody mm. at all. Like we're 27 miles from town. Oh, wow. <laughs> you saw me look, that's... I looked out the window and I'm like, yeah, our closest neighbor is like a mile away out in the Valley. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I need to have, I need to have you on my podcast to talk about that and that sort of life. Cause a lot of people are getting into homesteading, doing 
what you you're doing and kind of far away and what the challenges might be and how you mm-hmm. fix that and stuff. So, so yeah, that's good that, that would be definitely a good topic. I, yeah. I mean, a hint it's about community, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I was uh, looking at some of the stuff that you have going on and you have this program called, so you have this homesteading for beginners workshop and I, you know, I was flipping through it and it just looks great. Do you want to tell everyone about that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, I'm going to go back a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I've been homesteading for over 20 years and I, there was a period of time I've been on uh, social media and stuff since like 2010. I was, my Instagram account uh, is like that old. Wow. And uh, I know my Facebook it, is, but I, I, I boycotted Instagram until about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in 2010, there, there were, by the way, there was like hardly any homesteaders and it was all mm-hmm. photographs. <laughs> there was no video. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was sharing at the time, that time I was sharing my journey and I had a blog called healthyhomesteading.com and I was sharing my journey. I was talking about how, you know, I was getting growing more closer to a, a healthier lifestyle through the homesteading experience. And, um, I, I did that for a few years and then I took a break, um, And it was for, you know, from like, I wasn't really doing much. I was like on Facebook only, and I didn't have my Instagram account. I wasn't doing anything on there. And I took a break and then I came back about 2020, actually. Um, It was when uh, Clubhouse, are you familiar with that platform? Clubhouse. No. I talk about it all the time on my hmm, mind because it, it, it's not really like a thing as much anymore. There's hmm. not, uh, but it was a big part of my transformation to where I am right now uh, and why I decided to do what I'm doing. But so Clubhouse is, is an audio only app and you just go and you have conversations uh, hmm. with people. And it, it was, it was almost like the, the true, a true social app, you know, everything else I feel like is kind of, uh, one, one to one, but, but this, this conversation app, you know, where you can actually have conversations with people, uh, it really brought us together. And it was the community I was looking for, um, when I'm, because I moved from my really, really great community in California to Georgia. And I was like, Oh, I felt all kind of alone. And so when we Uh moved, uh, here on this property, it was like 2019. So 2020 was, um, I didn't, I wasn't close to anybody really who were homesteading. Mm -hmm. And so I found this app and I found this group of people on there that wanted to talk about all the things I wanted to talk about. They wanted to talk about, you know, raising chickens, processing chickens, you know, (laughs) raising dairy goats. It was like, oh my gosh, this is gold. (laughs) And, and these people wanted to talk about it, which is, you know, you talk to your friends and your, your family and they're like looking at you like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've had the same best friend since I was two. And you know, there's some things we can talk about for hours, but I start talking about home setting and she's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. It's just not the same. We talk about other things with our friends, those friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so these people wanted to, you know, have these conversations and it was, and I finally was finding community, even though they weren't local, it was online community, mm-hmm. uh, but it just felt really um, good. And a lot of the people that I've been, um, uh, uh, having on my podcast are actually those connections that I made. Um, but what I discovered through all those conversations and people coming in who had not homestead and everybody was looking at the world, like, what do we do? We need to do something. Um, I realized a lot of people, uh, were having a trouble, trouble getting started and, and not just like, I mean, the person that's like dreaming to starting, like that person is the person that I was really trying to help. And then that's so, so long story, uh, trying to condense it a little bit. (laughs) We have time. (laughs) Yeah. But so that's where the homesteading for beginners stuff came from. That's where all my content, I started talking about, you know, getting, I figured if it was titled homesteading for beginners, people, the people who needed it would know they needed it. So, um, so I had the podcast and then I created a checklist and then I created a workbook and then I created a workshop. <laughs> so basically it's that. Like it. Yeah. So um, the checklist is free and, and um, it just helps people get started. And you meant you uh, mentioned earlier, like the key is community. That is actually the first thing on my list. 
um, get connected, uh, you know, so I have all these things on my checklist, but, um, and then the workbook is to help you if you're just really, you're really serious about getting started. Um, it's going to give you, take you a step further. And the workshop is, is me going through the workbook, parts of the workbook with you. And so that's, that's, that's how that all got started. And that's what I have right now. Well, I love it because I know when we first started homesteading and I, I have to like preface that a little bit, I grew up on a ranch. Like I didn't know any different, mm-hmm. but you know, I majored in agriculture and when my husband and I met and my listeners have heard this story before he got sick and we had to go all natural and hopes to save him. I mean, they basically mm-hmm. told him to get his affairs in order. Wow. Um, that was six years ago. So, and now all his tests come coming back. Great. So, That's you know, we're amazing. Yeah. yeah. But we had to kind of really change our mindset. And I mean, even at that time we hunted, we had a garden, we always raised, you know, the kids did four each pigs. We buy an extra pig to butcher every year. You know, we were already, this was just our routine, mm-hmm. but we had to suddenly take that from, this is just kind of how we supplement our food. And this is just how life is to completely growing everything on our own. Mm. And I had to really change my mindset from being an agriculturalist to that homestead, small scale kind of Mm. situation. And, um, you know, I was actually talking about it recently at a conference, some of the stuff that is so basic, like I know I need to worm my cows. I know there's like options for commercial and organic. That's, you know, I, I can go through all that. Um, but I grew up on a cattle ranch. So we went and bought this 500 gallon or, you know, $500 big thing of Mm -hmm. wormer and ran 300 cows through the chute and sprayed their backs down. And now I have one dairy cow. Mm -hmm. What do I, what do I do? How do I worm her? Can I worm her and still drink the milk? Like, I mean, I had no concept of how that all worked and I really had to start from square one and having a, I, you know, having a, something like a checklist for even those that are very comfortable with mm-hmm. this lifestyle, something to go through and make sure that you're checking all those boxes and that you're having the right information. I really love that you've put something like this together. Yeah. Yeah. It's very basic. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted it to be that way. So if you look at it and you're like, oh, these, some of these things might seem obvious, but it's like, well, do it. <laughs> it yeah. might seem obvious, but do it. It's on the checklist. Now you can do it, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. Sometimes those most obvious ones and, you know, sometimes even having like a really, uh, I don't want to say like you said, basic, but like ambiguous kind of mm-hmm. checklist, it just tells you where you need to go from there. Cause everyone's homestead is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, that, that was the challenge I was facing too. You know, I came into the space. Okay. I want to be a coach. Basically. I want to be a mentor and a coach and help people, um, with this lifestyle, but homesteading is about so many different things. It's not one homesteading is the, the, the umbrella or whatever. It's like the, the thing that holds everything else in there, all the skills that you're learning. So it's like, okay, how am I going to tell everybody to, this is the way you do this, but I'm trying to help everyone. You know, I, I could have gone specific and like, okay, I'm, I'm a coach for people who have dairy goats or something like that, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, well, I need to tell people, give them a framework of some sort (laughs) to say, it doesn't matter what you do inside this thing. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the skills that you decide to learn. This is, this is the kind of the, the area that'll help you keep on track and not give up. That's what I was also seeing. I was seeing mm-hmm. a lot of people getting overwhelmed and giving up. And I'm like, well, I've been there. I've been, feel- <laughs> I've been there. I mean, you have a dairy animal. Dairy animals are not easy. No. Um, they require a lot of work. They require daily like you can't just go, oh, I'm going to go throw. I mean, most animals do require daily care, but dairy animals are different because they need to be milked every day. And it's not like mm-hmm. you throw them some food. <laughs> yeah. And also just the relationship you have with them. I mean, mm-hmm. I sometimes don't go see my sows for a week at a time. They're getting fed like my son or my husband are feeding them, but I don't go spend time with my sows all the time. But I went up there the other day and they were also excited to see me because they know that mom brings treats, which is Mm -hmm. I stop in the chicken coop first and grab the eggs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, the dairy cows, if you're not hands on with them every day, 
they, they hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. you know, cause there have been times where even, you know, we just go out of town for the weekend. So we'll leave a calf on and we come back Monday morning and suddenly they no longer know how the stanchion works. And <laughs> <laughs> they no longer know you. <laughs> right. Right. And then try to get somebody to cover for you when mm-hmm. you go on vacation. That's a whole nother thing. Oh, I've never, yeah. I've never had a dairy cow, but I did, um, watch, you know, I did, um, I was a farm sitter, so I would mm-hmm. take care of other people's animals. So I did have to milk a cow before. And I was like, I think I'll keep my goats. They're a little right. bit easier. Um, it's uh, so- funny. We found the goats to be such a pain in the booty. Really? And love working with our cows so much that we actually have three cows that will be calving. Like we went dry for a season. We just lot going mm-hmm. on. But so we'll have three calving in the fall and then we'll have we're getting one more heifer this month. Mm-hmm. We'll have four. Yeah. Yeah. I like cows. I mean, my husband would have probably preferred the milk versus the dairy for, versus mm-hmm. the um, goat milk. But, but for me, the, and, and I was thinking about this because I've heard a lot of people say this about their goats. And I was thinking maybe it has something to do with the, the breed, the bloodlines and the way they're brought up because I had an actual, um, my dairy goat, um, she was a breeder, the dairy mm. goat breeder. She was a, um, she showed dairy goat. So hers were like beautiful udders, just perfect udders and lots of milk and very well-tempered. All of her goats oh, nice. were great. And they were like dogs to me. They never tried mm. to like, I mean, when the babies were babies, they were rambunctious and jumping off of They're things. Cute. But we didn't have <laughs> issues like that all these other people were talking about. And I even had one that was um, quiet um, and her name was Whisper. I named her Whisper because she was quiet and all of her babies were also quiet. Oh, so it was like, maybe it's like the breeding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had some great dairy goats. It was just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it ended yeah. up not being our thing. And I've always loved goats. I actually, I worked in the sheep and goat unit in college mm-hmm. and I mean, cause meat goats, but it was still, I was working with them on a daily basis and was really mm-hmm. comfortable with them. But as far as the actual milk, my husband spent a lot of time in Iraq mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the food there has goat milk or goat cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and it just, that's not taken care of as well as it is mm-hmm. here. And he's just like, he can't do it like Mm -hmm. at all. So then it was, I was milking a lot to either sell or, you know, no one in my house was really using it. So it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes a big difference. And, and um, yeah, I don't actually like uh, goat cheese (laughs) or, you know, the kind that has, I call it because we've had, you know, goaty is what we call it um, when it tastes, has that off Mm -hmm. taste. Um, So I would process mine a certain way to where. Um, it tasted very, very similar to cow's milk. You just mm. have to make sure it gets chilled really fast. Like, mm-hmm. um, like put it in the freezer. You, pre- you know, I'd have two, um, a quart, not two, a quart uh, jars. So that milk into the quart jars or milk into a pot, a bucket or pail. And then I'd put the, them immediately after straining immediately into the freezer for at least two or oh, three wow. hours. And okay. that makes the milk something about that quick chill makes mm-hmm. the milk taste more like cow's milk. Hmm. The only difference I feel like is it, it over a couple of, like, it wouldn't last that long. So like a week later, then it would start tasting that goatee flavor, oh, okay. but um, it's not, nothing's wrong with the goatee flavor. It's not like the milk went sour or anything. It's just what goat milk has. The other thing is, um, this is something I learned from my breeder was that you feed a goat if you want goat milk to taste like cow's milk you feed it like a cow so you, we that would feed it sense. high quality um alfalfa hay mm-hmm. so that's our, our goats got like the good stuff <laughs> <laughs> well that makes a lot of sense and those are some mm-hmm. really good tips i you know and i actually love goat cheese um mm-hmm. i and there's i have a couple, couple recipes that my husband actually looks forward to mm-hmm. because it doesn't have that goatee flavor that he doesn't like from being you know in the like in Iraq and stuff yeah yeah um one of them is I always say it wrong is it shiv yeah I think that's how you say it okay I'm I get an I get an herbed one of those and I Mm -hmm. stuff chicken breasts with that and like minced Mm -hmm. garlic and then sear it and do like asparagus with it and stuff and it is Mm -hmm. my husband actually like gets excited for that one so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I never really got. It's funny because I never really got much into the goat cheese making. I I would make the maybe it's the one you're talking about. I can't even remember the name of it, but it's the one that you can just basically um, curd and strain and mm, just and a soft would, cheese. Yeah, yeah. And I would make um, yogurt also. My yogurt was good too. And then I would make. Um, I would strain that, and that would make like a cream cheese. So those were good ones, but I didn't really get into much other than that. Yeah, I was just starting to master cow cheese. I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, when we decided to go dry for a season and I was like, I have all this like great stuff in my pantry and I'm so excited to get back at it this winter. But mm-hmm. um, I did master like a good farmer's cheese, of course, butter, yogurt. My kids never mm-hmm. liked the yogurt. I thought it was so much better than anything we mm-hmm. bought in the store, but I think it didn't taste exactly like what we got in the store. Yeah. Of course, my three-year-old now, he hasn't had raw milk yogurt in a year and a half. I have a feeling that he would be all over it. So mm, yeah, like yeah. we can't keep him out of the elderberry syrup right now. So oh, he just kind of, he's got like more of a different taste, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems to happen. Uh, just curious. When did you start like this lifestyle with like, how old were your kids? Cause you have like four, right? Yeah. We, we have six. Oh, um, six. Okay. So when we made that full change was about six years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's see, the kids were, the oldest was 14 and the youngest wasn't even born yet. Okay. So we had like 14, eight, one-year-old, you know. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way my my kids were. Um, My two oldest were 12 and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the youngest wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah. So she was born on the farm. And I, what I found interesting, and it makes sense, the ones that are born on the farm are way like they are, they're helpful. <laughs> they do mm-hmm. more work. They learn the things. My daughter was um, seven when she started milking goats for me. Yeah. And um, 10, by the time she was 10, she was full on milking, milking two or three goats for me and, with no problem. And, um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, my twins, they're 14. Now, um, when my husband and I met, we're a year's mine and ours. Okay. So my twins were six and his boys were eight and 10. Mm -hmm. And the twins had always been on a farm. Like I even, I had gone back to college later in my twenties and I already had them. So Mm -hmm. I was going to a four-year university with three-year-old twins, they were working on the school farm with me. Oh, fun. So this was always their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then when I met my husband who his boys hadn't really had that lifestyle as much, there was definitely more of a transition period there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, now they've both completely embraced it. So that's good. Yeah. But, I kind of had more resistance with my teens. So I didn't, I mean, because when we, when, even though my daughter was 12, when we got the property. The only thing we had at that time were horses. Mm-hmm. So I had, I, we started our journey with horses. Cause that was, that's always been my passion and ha- yeah. um, having horses. So then we got chickens and then the garden came and then we got all the, and then we got the dairy goats. Like it was all, it was like that. Mm-hmm. So my oldest, so my oldest was more like 16 when we actually like were in the full, you know, <laughs> like had all the things and she was about ready to leave for college, you know? Um, but she, so she, so I didn't really force them because it wasn't like their thing they were getting, mm-hmm. you know, I made, you know, they had to help me, but they, mm-hmm. they especially had to help me with the baby. Cause at this time, my, uh, youngest was born. And, um, so I think I might've said the wrong numbers. <laughs> I was so bad with numbers. Like as far, my, I, I think maybe my daughter was 10 when we, my oldest was 10. I think I said 12. My oldest was 10 when we got the property. Cause then I was like, she was 12 when we had the baby. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, but, but anyway, I just didn't force them. They had to help me with the, with the baby. You know, That's, if I had to go my out daughter and, and my youngest yeah. are about the same distance apart. She's 14 mm-hmm. and he's three. Okay. And she, I mean, she kind of, she's little mini mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so I almost helpful. have to balance it. I'm like, oh, Savannah's got it handled. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm actually mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had to have some conversations like that too, because the oldest were like, they didn't know what to do sometimes when she wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to say, okay, just have her, have her call me. 
so I can talk to her because what you're doing is not working. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our right now, our three-year-old, he's for lack of better word, a terrorist. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is exhausting. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a full-time job 24 seven for everybody. Like we even have to have alarms on our doors and stuff Mm because he'll just leave in the middle of the night. Oh, well, well, Mm -hmm. and he's out there like trying to start the lawnmower and when the lawnmower won't start, he's Mm -hmm. popping the hood and trying to, I don't even know, do what to it. (laughs) He's going to be running the farm before you know it. (laughs) I'm sure of it. Uh, it's, but yeah, we, I let them start helping as soon as they're willing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean that those younger ones, they want to help, like, don't miss out on that. Opportunity. Yeah. Well, I'm experiencing that with my grandkids as my oldest daughter and her family moved in with us a couple months ago, they were mm-hmm. in Mexico city and now they're here, um, trying to transition to move here. So mm-hmm. we thankfully have a basement apartment for them so they're nice. there so we have three grandkids here um the oldest is six four or he will be six in in november but four and then one and a half and um so there's a lot going on but it's so nice to be able to share this lifestyle with them and my this is the oldest that i was talking about that wasn't really super interested in the lifestyle now she's really enjoying it with her oh, her good. kids yeah it's very nice for me to see this <laughs> I, I could, I'm, ex- I'm kind of excited for those times, you know, mm-hmm. like, even though all my kids have been excited about the farm, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested how it's going to be when the grandkids start coming in. Yeah. Well, and you were saying, uh, so my middle grandchild and my daughter's going to have another baby in, in July. So we're going to have how exciting. Four. Yeah. So, um, but I noticed that my uh, middle grandchild, she is the most interested. She is actually helping me like she's four and Uh she's like she's like uh, grandma I want to help and I was like okay and so she helps with the hay like she helps with the hay Mm -hmm. you know so I can take it out to the horses she helps collect eggs she wants to collect the eggs every single time and she's just so far she hasn't like lost that like this is so exciting thing you know she just helps me in the garden and she wants to do physical work (laughs) mm -hmm. we do a thing where the kids have management roles Mm -hmm. and so they're kind of in charge of one part of our farm and then we do family meetings and they Mm -hmm. get to help make the like the bigger decisions they isn't just a chore where they're at their feeding right they're actually in charge of those animals Mm -hmm. and my daughter was always our chicken manager but now she's starting to help more in the house and do those types of things Mm -hmm. so she's training her five-year-old brother to be the chicken manager and he is taking it so serious. It's like awesome. Mm -hmm. So he has chicks in the brooder right now. He has four week old meat birds out in the chicken tractor. Mm -hmm. And then he's got our hens and our new chicks this year from, for replacement hens. And he is all over it. That's so great. And you did that very well. I don't think I, I like, I wish I could go back and like do some more of that with the older kids. Like, Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of a, a new life for me really, you know, too. And and I didn't want to force that on it, but I could have approached it differently. Like, okay, you're managing this. By the time my youngest came around, it was like, I am need some help. I need to train (laughs) her. I need her to make sure she loves this. And plus, since she was so far from the other kids, she didn't have any siblings to play with. So the Mm. animals were like, you know, her play, uh, playmates the goats for right. sure and maybe that's why I have such a fondness for the goats because they kept her mm-hmm. entertained for so long <laughs> I can see that that was definitely we had our five-year-old and then my husband got diagnosed when he was six months old and we're like okay I guess we're not having any more because we don't know where life is taking us from here and mm-hmm. as his health mellowed out we didn't have like a final answer of if we had fixed him or not I don't know if fix mm-hmm. is the right word but yeah. we're like we can't have this poor child being an only child of his age group <laughs> you mm-hmm. know so yeah. we decided to go ahead and have one more and they are so happy together like they're oh, that's great. best buds mm-hmm. it's nice you know they're three and five and crazy yeah. boys <laughs> yeah although I think the youngest is going to give the five-year-old a heart attack because he's very sensitive and concerned about everybody and the three-year-old oh. like hold my beer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well they balance each other out I'm sure <laughs> true <laughs> um yeah the five-year-old's the one who's the chicken manager and he was like in tears the other day because he went to the back fridge to get a gallon of milk and his little brother had put a chick in the fridge oh 
the chick survived okay but but, yeah i mean he was just like one of my chicks was in the fridge and he's cold (laughs) i mean it was horrible i don't want to just be offing chicks by putting in the fridge but yeah my not sorry go ahead. no we just couldn't stop laughing because we're like what a ridiculous thing to find and like wait so devastated my youngest has said i'm not gonna out her because she's now an adult and <laughs> I don't want to, but she's done some very interesting things because she was, you know, curious and, you know, just, I, I won't tell the stories, but it's, it sounds very similar <laughs> to what my daughter did. Well, I've been talking about all the crazy things that Branch, our youngest has done since day one on the podcast. So everybody's like, what did Branch do this week? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, kid- the chick by one's the, t- the funniest, yeah. Yeah. By the time he's, you know, older, it won't even, like, these will be way back cataloged. <laughs> this is how I'll remember. I'll go back and listen to these and be like, oh, I remember yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my husband's all the poor chick has cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. These, these kids. Mm-hmm. So if... You had somebody who came to you and said, hey, I want to get started homesteading. What do I do? What would be the first like kind of handful of steps you'd give them? Yeah. Um, well, we talked about community. Mm-hmm. That's like the first thing. That's actually the first thing on the checklist that I share, like get connected, you know, at the very least get connected with an online community. But yeah. if you local community is super important. We had such a great um, homesteading community in California. I really miss it because I made such great connections mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, things that you don't think about, um, it, uh, the community can provide for you. Like, like, uh, I think a lot of people think when they start their homesteading journey, they want all the things. Cause they see everybody have all the things like the, d- the ducks and the goats and the chickens mm-hmm. and the things, but you know, for one, that's, it, it can come become very overwhelming really quickly. And it's not, it's never just one more thing. Anytime you have a responsibility for one more animal or one more, you know, even a garden mm-hmm. box, you know, like it, it's, it's more time you're taking away from something else. It may mm-hmm. be worth it, but you have to understand that it's not just one more thing. So, uh, so your commute, but your community, like, let's say you wanted um, eggs, um, you know, duck eggs, you have chicken eggs, you want duck eggs. You think that's really great. Well, your community can provide that for you. You don't have to be the one that does it. Yeah. <laughs> your community can grow the corn. You can find your somebody who's growing corn, you know, I often buy say all the time that like true self-sufficiency is kind of a utopian concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I even go so far as saying that we need uh, community dependency, not, not mm-hmm. fully, but there needs to be that thought that we're just not meant to live by ourselves. We're not meant to mm-hmm. do things by ourselves. It's not healthy for our minds. It's not healthy for, for our community, our community itself, like mm-hmm. for the, wherever you live, if everybody's doing everything off on their own, then you don't have a strong community. So mm-hmm. when, it's when you get together, that makes you strong. So yeah, that's like the first thing, like find somewhere local. And if you don't, if you can't find it, start it. (laughs) That's what we did in California. Um, a a friend of mine, that was my neighbor and she kind of got me started in a lot of things like the dairy goats and she knew how to garden everything. We kind of started, you know, this homesteading community together and we, you know, it expanded and everybody, you know, would, we would do certain things and that it expanded to a, um, to a garden group. It expanded to a beekeeping group. It like did its thing, but like we didn't see it we didn't have it. So we, we created it and we weren't like really super intentional, like, Oh, well, we're going to create this big thing. We were just like, we need this. This is what we're uh-huh. going to do. We're going to have a meeting or, or get together. We'd have barter, barter days. And, and, um, you know, anytime there was a, a goat being born, you know, or, you know, goat birthing, um, kidding season, there would be mm-hmm. different families would help each other and go because it's always harder when you are the responsible person for the, the animal being, um, going through the birthing process. Have, mm-hmm. have you experienced that? Like yes. when it's your animal, <laughs> I actually, different. we had a stuck kid, um, that we had to help, um, that my husband has 
giant like paw hands. Mm. They're like hams. He wears like a, <laughs> like a size 15 ring. Oh, wow. And so I had to help get this goat out and I was seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm like mm-hmm. squatting, sitting on a metal chair out in the um, barn trying to help get this kid out while mm-hmm. my husband's like holding the goat's head, you know, so that mm-hmm. she can't be moving around a lot because I can't move around a lot. It was right. Just, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's it so different. And then when, so when you're responsible, uh, it, it just something changes about your, you know, something changes about you. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody there who's not the responsible person. Um, you know, and just be able to say, okay, just let's, let's talk this through. It's not, you know, (laughs) and, and I was able to do that for other people and they were able to do it for me. And it's just, it, it was just, that was, those are some of the things you don't really think about that your community can help you with. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they can help you with um, helping your dreams come true of owning blank, or they can help you when you need support in that way. And, and I just, uh, so that, that would be the first thing is community. Awesome. Um, yeah. I have a, a, I actually was going to pull it up and I forgot to, because <laughs> I always forget my steps. <laughs> I oh, mean, good. I know them, but um, I think, uh, uh, well, educate yourself is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't wait until you have the farm to start educating yourself. Like, book knowledge is still knowledge. And you know, this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this as an educator and a, you know, curriculum creator, you know, this like book knowledge is still knowledge and it can prepare mm-hmm. your mind for the actual physical, I mean, the actual hands-on part of it, it can pre- prepare mm-hmm. your mind for it. So use that time. You know, if you're in a place where you don't, you know, you're, you haven't started yet, use this time to educate yourself and then mm-hmm. go out into the community and learn hands-on or whatever it is, you know? That's kind of, that's the biggest part of my platform is kind of teaching all the things they didn't know they needed to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because that's, you know, as you start farming for the first time, you're like, okay, you know, I watched a YouTube. This is how they planted their garden. Mm-hmm. I, I've got this, I can handle it. You know, I went to Home Depot. They, you know, gave me a little pamphlet on how to do it. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then there's, you know, then nothing's growing in their garden. And it's like, well, did you test your soil? What's mm-hmm. that? You know, and then that's yeah. that kind of, so like, yeah, I try to teach on all the things they didn't know they needed to know mm-hmm. that even yeah. some of the, the greatest, you know, homestead educators out there, they're learning kind of as they go too. So if mm-hmm. I can kind of put that forefront where you can learn what you need to learn and then find the information from there, mm-hmm. that's kind of, so yeah, i I definitely think the education is a big piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can learn from, well, you know, there's so much information now on mm-hmm. online and that's kind of the problem <laughs> is that there's so much, edu- there's so much information online and you, and people don't know how to sift through. And I think people are really starting to find people like you where they like trust someone mm-hmm. and say, okay, I can see that I can obviously see that they're doing it the right way. And I'm going to follow this person. And I think that, you know, we're, I think we're I actually, shifting. I, I had a whole, yeah, I had a whole podcast episode on, is it relatable or reliable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of call it like, the, like a learning revolution happening right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah reliable information people are are definitely looking for that and and you know there's nothing wrong with chronic you know um recording your journey like oh, a lot yeah. of these so a it's, lot of these social media it's accounts great entertainment and it can yeah. be very informative it like piques those interests yeah but it, we just have to be careful as like even now i will see something i'm like is that is that something you can actually do is this just person just do it and created a informative video on it where where it sounds like it's it's fact but it, it's but it doesn't really work like i have to like yeah you know i understand that. that and you know even some of the best educators mm-hmm. um i mean i could throw names out there but i mean we know who we know who some of like the gurus are mm-hmm. but if they're teaching on the east coast mm-hmm. and i live on the west coast am i going to kill my whole garden because i followed their Mm-hmm. um instructions 
where their instructions would be great for their farm. Or if I contacted them directly and said, what do I do for my farm? They'd Mm -hmm. probably be able to give that information, but just watching the YouTube video that they did or the blog that they wrote Mm -hmm. specifically on how to start things in their growing zone Mm -hmm. or their climate is, could be totally different for what I do. Yeah. Which is another reason when we get back to like community, Mm -hmm. your local community actually knows how to grow food in your area. Mm -hmm. your local community even microclimates when we were in california there's so many in the yeah in the mountains especially Mm -hmm. like you on the across the town somebody (laughs) would have it's completely different microclimate than we had at our property so we couldn't even go what is happening over there at your house? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you grow this? We couldn't even do that. We had to ask the I, people around us. I live in a banana belt where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So in North Idaho, I'm technically a six B, but I think I think we're more a seven, mm-hmm. like growing zone, which is unheard of for North Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and actually, across the border in Canada, they're definitely a seven. Okay, but you just drive like the 27 miles to town, mm-hmm. and they're in a banana belt, and they're like a five B. Wow. Growing zone. So So, I mean, it's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm going to be able to put everything in, um, all my plants in the ground. Like what's today, the 16th, I could have done it yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, but in town, there's no way they're, they would, they still have frosty mornings. So that's so interesting. I mean, I knew it was happening across other countries. I mean, others, other States, but Uh it's just, it's, you know, even here in Georgia, we're in North Georgia. North Georgia is very different than South Georgia. We're closer to the mountains. Mm-hmm. We're closer, you know, everything's hilly. South Georgia is really flat. Or yeah. Flat. I actually, you know, I knew the Appalachians were big, but mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I went to the Great Smokies two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I was just blown away at the size of those mountains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's some close to where you're at, not the same. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. We're not really that close. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're about an hour and a half to the Tennessee border okay. and also the, um, North, uh, North Carolina border. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much like almost an hour and a half t- to two hours from, from all of the borders <laughs> or bordering States, uh-huh. except for uh, Florida that takes about six hours. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. When I was there, I flew into Atlanta and had to drive down to Dothan, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to see the coast. So we drove on down to Florida and we were like, mm. this is a long way, but it was, it yeah. was worth it. I yeah, had- maybe to the border, it's not quite that long, but to actual like the beach, it takes about mm-hmm. six hours, but yeah. Yeah. We were where we were. It was, I guess, do they call it the panhandle of Florida? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the, there yeah. is a panhandle. Yeah. So we were there. So, I mean, as soon as we got down to Southern Alabama, I mean, it was maybe 10 more minutes and we were at the coast. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun though. My son had never seen the Gulf coast. So mm-hmm. the, uh, it was, it was interesting for me because California's beaches, you know, we're on the, uh, cold? That was the, Nasty? Yeah, the cold, <laughs> but the sun sets. And then we went to Tybee Island. Yeah, the sun sets there. But then we went to Tybee Island, uh, which is in Georgia. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Right. I think so. (laughs) I'm so unfamiliar with where I am. But um, it uh, the the sun wasn't setting in, you know, like it was setting like to the side. It It was almost like it was disorienting. Yeah, I can you know imagine. What I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what I'm like, I don't really like the coast, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to be on the coast, I love it at sunset. Yeah. And, and then that, that, yeah, yeah. It's not there's actually the there's a, there, a Willie Nelson song, the sun sank west of the Mendocino County line. Oh, and that's where I grew up was in Mendocino County. And oh, it, okay. But yeah, yeah, I'm much more of a mountain person. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm drawn to the water in the mountains. I'm going to find every lake and river and mm. creek that there is. Yeah. Um, I will actually get on like GPS maps and find lakes and we'll drive as close as we can and then hike the rest of the way to them just to maybe be there for a half an hour so I can yeah. see it. But There's some uh, really nice lakes here in Georgia. That's definitely lake, lake country here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to put that on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're only about 15 minutes from a pretty big lake that goes a, a lot of North Georgia. It goes through a lot of North Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I want to see all the lakes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as we're getting closer to the end of our time, my mm-hmm. favorite question for all my guests is what does keep growing mean to you? 
I actually listened to a couple of your episodes <laughs> recently and I was like, how am I going to answer that? But something did come <laughs> well, to mind. Cheated. No, <laughs> I did cheat. <laughs> um, but you ever have a volunteer tomato? Yes. Um, you know how they like find a spot and they will like grow however, like they'll grow however they need to, to produce, to become a big full-size plant. Like uh -huh. they don't wait for anybody to move them to a nice bed. <laughs> they don't wait to do like, to be in the perfect spot. They just pivot and they keep, they keep pressing on, they keep um, growing. And so that's kind of what I was thinking, like keep growing. It just means like to pivot or press on don't give up you know um, um i i mean there are times i will say this there are times you might have to give up on a certain dream but doesn't mean you have to give up on your whole dream so just keep pivoting and pressing on until you know you 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 have created what the life that you want that's that's the best i could come up with <laughs> no i love it i actually you know it's I was in the garden with my daughter a couple of days ago and we were just putting our, um, some starts in mm -hmm. and I was like, this is our last chance to get any big weeds out of this bed. So let's mm -hmm. go ahead and do that. And there's these weeds that we had hoed the bed and these little sprouts were growing back up. And I mean, we'd literally pull them and go out the night, like an hour later and they were back. Mm. I was like, I am losing my mind with these weeds. Mm -hmm. And so I went into all the spots and I dug down and got a hold of the top of the taproot. And I mean, it was coming out 18 inches long. Mm. And I, my daughter's like, how in the heck do these grow practically overnight? And these are new raised beds that we just put in last year. So, oh, I mean, wow. mm -hmm. this isn't like they've been here forever and had time. She's like, how is there an 18 inch root? But when we plant our tomato plants, I mean, you push them too hard and they fall out of the <laughs> yeah. ground. And I was like, that's because tomatoes have been cultivated for years mm -hmm. to kind of be babied. Like they mm -hmm. don't have to have those deep tap roots because they're going to be taken care of in a different way mm -hmm. versus these weeds were getting rid of them. Animals are eating them They're mm -hmm. They had to adapt and have these giant long tap roots. And so mm -hmm. that kind of, um, yeah, but the volunteer tomatoes, man, they're hardy. <laughs> They are. Yeah. They they're are hardier hardy. than anything else. Yeah. I can, I can always move them and then they're fine. Uh -huh. But like, so that's like, I guess the point is like, you know, the hardship doesn't make it a worse, ex mm -hmm. you know, you, you can still grow into this beautiful plant through hardship. <laughs> I love it. Um, so do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So my website is healthyhomesteading.com and that's pretty much every you can find everything there, but, um, my podcast is, um, homesteading for beginners and I just help people have the right mindset basically. <laughs> and, you know, I interview people as well. I do, I'm doing two episodes a week now, so uh, it's, it's hard to maintain that, but I don't know I how get you, you do a it. Week, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing it for that way for a while too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just started this. So it's like a different transition, but uh, but yeah, my, my podcast and my website are probably the best places. Okay, great. I'll make sure I link all that. And thank you so much for coming on today and everybody make sure you pop over and check out what Mona's offering. Yeah. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in on how to win tickets to the Indiana homesteading conference for 2023. The Indiana Homesteading Conference will be held October 21st and 22nd, 2023 at the Marion County Fairgrounds outside of Indianapolis and is dedicated to partnering to teach sustainable living skills and encourage community. Cody Hanner with the Homestead Education has partnered with the Indiana Homestead Conference to give away two weekend passes. Passes include access to all the conference breakout sessions both days. This is 25 sessions per day with five time slots and five options from each to choose from each slot. You do not want to miss this amazing lineup of speakers. Just so you know, the hog roast, junior homesteaders, and the intensive workshops are not included, but can be purchased at an additional charge. But I bet you just want to hear how to win these tickets. And we are so excited to be giving them out. First thing you need to do is follow the Homestead Education on Facebook. The second one is follow the Indiana Homesteading Conference on Facebook. Then use the link in the show notes 
to sign up for the Homestead Education newsletter through that link. And on May 31st at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be drawing the winners live. Once we draw a winner, we're going to check to make sure that you're following both the Homestead Education and the Indiana Homestead Conference in order to qualify. If you don't, we will be pulling a new winner. So make sure you pop over to thehomesteadeducation.com forward slash Indiana Homesteading to sign up to win those tickets. Thank you for tuning in on how to win tickets to the Indiana Homesteading Conference for 2023. The Indiana Homesteading Conference will be held October 21st and 22nd, 2023 at the Marion County Fairgrounds outside of Indianapolis and is dedicated to partnering to teach sustainable living skills and encourage community. Cody Hanner with the Homestead Education has partnered with the Indiana Homestead Conference to give away two weekend passes. Passes include access to all the conference breakout sessions both days. This is 25 sessions per day with five time slots and five options from each to choose from each slot. You do not want to miss this amazing lineup of speakers. Just so you know, the hog roast, junior homesteaders, and the intensive workshops are not included, but can be purchased at an additional charge. But I bet you just want to hear how to win these tickets. And we are so excited to be giving them out. First thing you need to do is follow the Homestead Education on Facebook. The second one is follow the Indiana Homesteading Conference on Facebook. Then use the link in the show notes to sign up for the Homestead Education newsletter through that link. And on May 31st at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be drawing the winners live Once we draw a winner, we're going to check to make sure that you're following both the Homestead Education and the Indiana Homestead Conference in order to qualify. If you don't, we will be pulling a new winner. So make sure you pop over to thehomesteadeducation.com forward slash Indiana Homesteading to sign up to win those tickets. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the Until next time, keep growing!